Morning. Do you ever get way too into something only to have it let you down? You get really excited about something, it's going really well. You even kind of let your emotions get wrapped up in it. You kind of have way too much riding on it, and then it fails. And then you become depressed. Me neither. It's never happened to me. Never happened. But um, regardless of the outcome of games, it's never happened to me. And, and as we continue this morning, we will get to something much more serious than that, those comments. We will get to, to challenging ourselves, asking before the Lord uh, if, if this is an area where we need correction, where we need to make sure that we do not look to the created to fill in our lives only things that the Creator should, that we do not worship created things instead of worshiping the Creator, that we do not depend on, get wrapped up in, put too much weight in, uh, things that, uh, that only God should be for us, right? Uh, so, but before we continue with that and, and we uh, continue into Advent season here, I do want to start off. My name's Derek. I'm one of the pastors. Glad that you're here. And uh, it is good to worship together, and in particular, it is good to worship together in Advent season, preparing ourselves for uh, Advent means coming, uh, the arrival of Christ, uh, preparing ourselves to celebrate his arrival, his first arrival 2,000 years ago when God sent his son, and uh, we'll talk about that. But before we do that, um, I want to uh, say some, words of quick, some quick words of thanks as we're kind of finishing up our Thanksgiving week as well. Uh, some things that came to my mind in the past few days. I am thankful for you, my church family. Uh, super thankful for all that I've seen God do in and through you in recent uh, months. And as we continue to submit ourselves to him and as he changes us from the inside out, thankful to be part of a church family who puts Jesus first and wants to grow in him. So thank you. Uh, thank you for a church family uh, who gives of their time and energy and, and puts their spiritual gifts into action. We have so many of you that serve uh, in ways that are known, in ways that are not known, but you're using your time and energy to give yourself to serving Jesus by serving our church family. And uh, it is appreciated and is part of a family contributing to all that God is doing. So thank you. Uh, in recent days, uh, in recent weeks and days, it's, it's, uh, it's included the demolition of an older building we no longer needed, lots of people working hard uh, to make that happen in different ways. It's included getting our rental house ready for sale, so many of you working in so many different ways, uh, and, and that goes on to now, and we hope to get it back on the market soon, so thank you to all those that are serving in that way. Um, Another, another one I wanted to mention to you that, I, that, that came to my mind, and especially in recent weeks, I am thankful for Bruce Martin, our district superintendent. Um, Bruce Martin is a pastor to pastors. Uh, there are 40 churches like ours that we're associated with in Oregon and Western Washington, and Bruce, leader is our di- Bruce Martin is our district leader. And a couple weekends ago, when Amy and I were away at a, at a district uh, conference, that's a picture of Bruce and, and me. And uh, not only was it a district conference to encourage pastors in the region, uh, but it was also kind of our last public chance to celebrate and thank 
Bruce for 20 years of faithful ministry to our district. And so um, just a, he's been a friend to Faith Church. He's been uh, one to come alongside of us and point us to Jesus and to assist us when we needed assistance. And so super thankful for him. He's serving through the end of this year, and then he'll be retiring. So um, I'll try to get um, more on this in the next week or two. But if you would love to, if you would like to write a note of thanks or encouragement, we'd love to include that in a larger um, package or gift that we'll send his way uh, in the next month or two for his retirement. So be thinking about that. If you'd like to participate in that way, let me know. And also, um, as we as we continue here, I was thinking, I'm thankful for those that, that serve behind me up here on the platform each Sunday, for our team, Pastor Matt and the, and the many uh, musicians and singers who uh, faithfully point us to Jesus each Sunday, who help us to lift up our voices in praise to God so that we can um, have that included in, in our worship gatherings and have our minds focused on Christ in that way, uh, helping us sing truth. Do you, have you ever thought about worship through music in this way? That worship through music is, is certainly lifting our praises to God, but it's really also singing out, making sure our voices are heard, because we're speaking those truths to one another and encouraging each other and reminding us of, of what we need to hear. And so what's the significance? As we, as we continue this morning, I want to talk about that a little bit. What's the significance of singing, of, of our worship through music time? What's the significance to our hearts and minds about lyrics and about uh, not just singing those because we've sang them before, but about internalizing them and knowing what we're singing? Yes, we're praising God. Yes, we're singing to one another. We're impressing truth upon each other. Here's some of the lyrics that I thought of. Uh, because of the specific topic I want to think about this morning, some of the lyrics that came to my mind that we sing around here. You were faithful then, you'll be faithful now. Great is your faithfulness. You have done great things. You've been faithful through every storm. You've never failed. Your promise still stands. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. Why is it important for us to sing lyrics like that? Why is that good for our souls? Life is hard. Life is hard. And when you take stock of what's going on in your spheres of influence and your relationships and in the places you hang out and we look at the world around us, there's chaos and circumstances aren't exactly what we would choose. There's a roller coasters up and down and relationships can be joyful, but relationships with people can also be painful. We struggle. This side of eternity, our human experience journeying through this life can be one of, of struggle and fear and doubt, why do we need to be reminded then? Why do we gather together to celebrate? Why do we sing? Why do we study God's word? Why do we need to be reminded that he is at work for our good and his glory? Why is recounting the truth of God's faithfulness so helpful? I think it brings hope. It brings hope. We lit the candle this morning, the first Sunday of Advent. We're celebrating the four Sundays leading up to Christmas that help us prepare to celebrate the coming of Christ, his first coming 2,000 years ago, his future coming, his future Advent when Jesus returns and sets all things right. 
And so we're talking about hope. And in terms of the biblical story, it starts at the beginning. In the beginning, in the book of Genesis, at the beginning of your Bible, in the beginning, God existed before all things. And when nothing existed, God created everything out of nothing. And when God, the creator, created all things, including human beings, to live in relationship with him. Uh, And in my devotional reading this week, um, one of the things I was reading said this about our first parents, the first humans, Adam and Eve, that they were perfect people at creation in the beginning. They were perfect people in a perfect world in perfect relationship with God. How does that sound? There was, can you imagine that? There was no tension between the humans. There was no separation between our first parents and God. There was no pollution, disease, injustice, hatred, no violence, no chaos, no harm, no struggles, no suffering. The way that God created things to be was, the Bible uses the word shalom. The way things God, the way God created things to be, the way that they were existent there in the beginning was shalom. And shalom, sometimes we think of the word peace, but it's so much more than peace. Shalom is really a way of saying it's, it's everything being the way that God intended things to be. Shalom. Doesn't that sound good? But it wasn't enough for our first parents. It wasn't enough for those first humans. And if we'd have been in their shoes, it wouldn't have been enough for us either. In an act of self-centered rebellion, our, our first parents broke the only rule that God had given them. They, they broke the rule. They ate the fruit. It was an act of self-centered rebellion. They wanted autonomy. They wanted control. They wanted to dictate the way things would go. We've been talking in recent weeks about building, are we building a kingdom of self do we, do we manipulate our circumstances and our relationships to build a kingdom of one? Or are we desiring to live as citizens of God's kingdom? Our first parents broke the one rule, ate the fruit, rebelled, and that we refer to in, in terms of biblical history, in terms of the Bible story, we refer to that as the fall, this rebellion against God. And, and ever since then, things are not as God created them to be. Broken, fallen, hurting, painful. And so since then, in the history of God's people, as we read our Bibles, and I'm thinking of the Old Testament, ever since then, the people of God repeatedly through scriptures have cried out, How long, O Lord? As they endured the chaos and the pain and the trials and the suffering and the things not going the way, they would want, and things not being as God intended to them, intended them to be, they cry out, how long, O Lord? What's that how long in refer, uh, referring to? What are they waiting for? What are they hoping for? They were awaiting the Messiah. God's people from that time of the fall were looking forward to a time when God would, would come and send the Messiah, the, prom, the long-promised rescuer, the one who would set things right. These, so these people, God's people in the Old Testament, were living before 
the first advent of Jesus, right? Our Old Testament believers, God's people in the Old Testament, were living before the first advent, before the first coming of Jesus. And they were crying out, how long, O Lord? They were looking forward to this long-promised rescuer. And, and what, does, what happens as they continue to experience the fallout of sin and brokenness and pain? How did God's people remain faithful? How did God's people remain faithful while they're waiting, while they're looking forward, while it seems like the promised rescuer is delayed in coming? while they're looking forward to his advent, to his arrival, to his coming, but it isn't coming. How did God's people remain faithful? Let's look at three examples from the Old Testament. Here's Psalm 42. Let's see how the psalmist handles this life before the first advent. My tears have been food day and night, while they say to me, where is your God? He said, the psalmist says to himself, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? So what's happening here? The psalmist, Old Testament, God's people living before the first advent. There is turmoil. There is depression. There is tears. And yet he says to himself, hope in God. He preaches the gospel to himself, so to speak. He preaches the good news to himself. No matter his circumstances that you see in those first couple of lines of the verse, he says, hope in God, I will again praise him, my salvation and my God. God's people in the Old Testament prior to the first coming of Jesus were faithful because they had hope, because they had hope of what was to come. Another example, one of the prophets, Isaiah, says, I will wait for the Lord. And look how he describes the Lord. His experience at that time of the Lord was one who is hiding his face from God's people. The prophet saying, how long, O Lord? It seems like you're hiding your face from your people. And I will hope in him. God's people before the first coming of Jesus, how did they remain faithful? They had hope. And another example, Job Job, the infamous sufferer, the one who had everything taken from him, the one who things couldn't have gone worse. It wasn't just his team losing. Job, the the incredible sufferer, can say this in truth and of heart, can say, though God slay me, I will hope in him. So, Jared Wilson, an author, pastor, I just came across this phrase this week. Before Christ's first coming, God's people hoped in God. That's how they got through. That's how they, 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 they remained faithful in the midst of difficult circumstances. So, you know, again, why do we sing? Why are these lyrics significant? Why do we gather to celebrate? Why do we gather to pray together, to point one another to Jesus? Why, 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 why is it good to look at God's past faithfulness? Because it assures us that he's going to continue to be faithful, and that gives us hope. Amen? Did you hear what I said, church family? Why do we consider God's faithfulness in the past? Because we spur each other on, we remind each other, we, we call attention to his faithfulness in the past because we know that that is, was true about him and that his faithfulness will carry us into the future. And that is where hope comes from. 
How did God's people keep going in the midst of these trials and pain and waiting and the Messiah was supposed to come and the Messiah had not come yet? They had hope. They had hope of rescue. They, had, they looked forward to God setting all things right to sending his son, the advent of Jesus. And so Christmas then, when we come to the time on our calendar where we celebrate Advent leading up to our Christmas season, Christmas then is a story of hope. When we think back to that first Christmas 2,000 years ago, that first Advent, that first arrival or coming, it really was an arrival of hope. So Christmas is a time of hope, yes? We look back 2,000 years and that was the arrival, the Advent of hope, because you may have heard this before, hope is a person and his name is Jesus. Matthew 1, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The arrival of hope, the arrival of God himself come to be with us. What else do we know about Jesus' arrival? What else do we know about what the hope that Jesus brought with him? Look at these words that may be familiar. For God so loved the world. For God loved the world in such a way that he gave his only son that whoever believes in his son, Jesus, should not perish but have eternal life. Familiar words? Let's look at it again, even though it's familiar. And then I want to continue to the next part. For God loved the world in such a way that he gave his only son, that whoever calls on Jesus believes that he is the son of God, will not perish, but have eternal life. Now it continues into the next verse. For God, why did God send his son? That first Christmas, that first advent was the arrival of hope. What do we see in this verse about the arrival of Jesus? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world to nail you for where you've gone wrong, to call you out. But God sent his son into the world in order that the world might be saved through Jesus. God sent his son into the world, the arrival of hope, not to condemn, but to save. Now, that sounds like good news, yes? What do we sometimes say before we get to be excited and celebrate the good news? Sometimes we got to grapple with the bad news. The reality about me and my heart and my tendency to sin and go my own way and rebel against God. What is that? What is kind of, what do we see kind of in between the lines, so to speak, of that last phrase or two? If God sent his son into the world to save us, guess what we know? We needed saving. Something was wrong that needed to be fixed. Look at this quote on the screen from Paul Tripp. The Christmas story confronts us with our inability. Because if we had any ability whatsoever to save ourselves from sin, the birth of Jesus would not have been necessary. The first advent was the arrival of hope because hope is a person and his name is Jesus and God sent his son to rescue, to save. And what, that, what we've got to reckon with first is that that means we needed saving. Jesus needed to rescue us from sin and death and that should cause us to come to grips with our desperate need for him. That in order, that we like this theme of hope, 
We like this Advent theme, this Sunday of hope. We want to get to the hope part. But if we are going to find hope in God, we must first confess that we are rebellious sinners that go our own way and that choose kingdom of one and that fall short of God's glory. It should show us, the gospel should show us our inability. The Christmas story, God sending his son at first Advent should show us our inability to save ourselves. Look at Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, for those of you followers of Jesus who have put your faith in Jesus, you've been justified with God. God is holy and perfect on high. We are rebellious and we go our own ways. But in Christ, by putting your trust in Jesus, we are reconciled. We are made right with a holy and perfect God. Continuing there in Romans 5. We then, because we're justified, have peace with God. Ooh, do we get just glimpses back to shalom of that early creation? God wanting to bring that about again. God wanting to lead us back towards shalom. Not perfectly yet, but perfectly when he returns again. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus. And through Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God at work within us. Because of Jesus, because in, by putting our faith in Jesus, we can be saved from sin and death, brought out of darkness and into the light, brought out of doomed to rescued, brought out of, of living for self to being transformed to live lives for God. Our salvation comes through Jesus. Our transformation comes through Jesus. And now let's, let's continue into verse 3, that same passage, Romans 5, verse 3. Not only that, as if salvation and transformation wasn't enough. Did you hear that? He's already talked about we are saved, we are being made new through Jesus, and now we get to verse 3 and he says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. What? We keep, we keep bringing this up around our church family, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. Maybe that's our first reaction to it. But good friends of ours around here keep reminding us that God's at work in the middle of the mess. That some of the best work he does in our sanctification is when, we, is when we walk through the difficulties with him. Not only that, our salvation, our transformation, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces what? How do God's people, how do God's people continue to live faithful, trusting in God no matter the chaotic circumstances and sinful fallout around us? Because we have hope. Because we have hope. That, that first God's people in the Old Testament were living before the first advent. And now we're talking about what came with that first advent, what Jesus made possible. And that gives us hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We are talking about our singing. We are talking about gathering here at church to remind each other of truths we were talking about, we were asking ourselves, why do we need to be in his word and hear from God? Because doesn't, doesn't our need uh, to be reminded of God's faithfulness often come after the difficulties we face? 
Life is hard. I know that you, my church family, have things going on this very week in your, in your life that are difficult and painful and that you wouldn't have chosen. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. It's, it's then, it's in our difficulties that we need to remember God's faithfulness. What's, the, what's another lyric we sing sometimes to God? You made a way where there was no way. And I believe I'll see you do it again. God, God through Jesus, that first advent, brought about our salvation, our transformation, because hope is a person and his name is Emmanuel. His name is God with us. His name is Jesus. Uh, Paul Tripp writes, Jesus came to give hopeless us hope that would never disappoint us. Jesus came, Jesus, God sent his son, that first advent of Jesus was to give hopeless us a hope that would never disappoint us. I keep mentioning, uh, this morning I keep mentioning Paul Tripp. I want to mention these couple of devotionals. Uh, I, I, wish, I wish I could say I was getting commissioned for this, but I'm not. <laughs> this is just a recommendation from me to you. I've been st- uh, the one on the right is a, is a daily devotional for the whole year. I've been reading that the last two months, and I'm going to continue until I'm done. Um, great timing right now. Get that for yourself. Get one for someone you love. Start it on January 1st if you want um, a tool, a helpful resource. It's just one page a day. For 365 days, it's called New Morning Mercies by Paul Tripp. That's a daily devotional for the whole year. And the one on the left is Paul Tripp's Advent devotional. you still got a couple days. If you get on Amazon uh, and you get it here in the next couple of days, you can start it on December 1. And that's a month-long Advent devotional. Um, and I just I recommend these because they're, they're, they're brief. They, they help you get your day started with the Lord. You read the page. You read a little scripture to go with it. Uh, it's so gospel-centered. It so points to Jesus and the hope that we have in him. So I hope that's helpful. Wouldn't it be cool if a bunch of us in our church family were starting our day with the Lord with the same encouragement? I wish I had 300, I mean, I wish I had whatever, of that 365-day devotion, I wish I had a bunch of copies to give them out, and I, I would just urge us to all, all take a look at that, all be encouraged by that this coming year. All right, so where have we been? Before Christ, we had that quote from Jared Wilson. Before Christ's first coming... Before his first advent, before Jesus had come, how did God's people remain faithful? They remained faithful because they had hope. They hoped in God. So what is this on the screen? What is this phrase, this reminder? How does that encourage or instruct us today? Here we are. Jesus has come. The first advent has happened. We've heard of all the salvation and transformation that the, that the, the arrival of hope brought with it. And here we are 2,000 years later, thankful for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, knowing that it's only because of Jesus that you and I can be saved. We are thankful that his life, death, and resurrection has made it possible to be in relationship with God, to have our sins forgiven, to be made new from the inside out, to have eternal life with him. And yet here we are 2,000 years after his first advent, and we look around ourselves, and life is chaotic and difficult, and there's pain, and there's suffering. 
We're still enduring the fallout of this broken and fallen world, and we're awaiting, we're awaiting, we're longing for what? The second advent, the second coming, the second arrival of hope, Jesus' return in the future when he will set all things right and reign over all things. So we know where we should turn. Don't we, church family? In the middle of difficulty, in the middle of roller coaster life, in the middle of football games that don't go your way, and much more important things like that than that, in the difficulties and in the suffering and in our workplaces and our relationships and in, in our and in the disease and trial and injustice and violence and hatred of our world, we know where we're supposed to turn, right? We know to whom we should turn. Yet, what do we put our hope in? I mean, I'm using it as a silly example, but I'm using it as a silly example to kind of nail us a bit. Yes, was my hope yesterday in too much yellow and green? Was the, was the coming down from that much too much of an effect for what that was? Right? Like a reality check here. Not important. But what is our hope in? Take it from that silly example to more serious examples. What do we put our hope in? Our money? Our 401k? That's how things are going to be secure for the future? What's our hope in? Our accomplishments, the power that we gain, the control over people around us that we want to manipulate to have things go our way? What is our hope in? Our relationships, our, our even good relationships, family, friends, coworkers, is that where we're all wrapped up? Our emotions are all wrapped up and dependent in those created things, in those things that are part of the creation things that God has made? What if our, our hearts and minds are too wrapped up in the created instead of worshiping the creator? What are those things that we put our hope in, our job, our stuff, politicians? Most of what we put our hope in will fail us, like my duck's. Quit laughing. <laughs> A few of you guys, yeah, mm-hmm. Right, I keep using the silly example, but back to the serious examples. Most of what we put our hope in will fail us. Don't worship the created, created things, stuff and people over the creator. Don't look to the created don't look to the things and people and circumstances around you to give you what only the creator can give you. Don't look for stuff to do for you what only God can do for you. Don't have your heart and mind and soul and energy wrapped up and dependent on something, hoping in something that will fall short. Put your hope and your trust in Jesus alone. Jared Wilson's quote continues, before Christ's first coming, God's people hoped in God. That's how God's people continued to be faithful, even though they long awaited the Messiah rescuer. And so what does that say to us? It says to us that before Christ's second coming, what do we do? 
We hope in God. We take their example, their faithfulness, just in the midst of their waiting, and we do it as well. While we wait and while we look at the pain and trials and suffering around us, we put our hope in God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, Therefore, preparing your minds for action, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation, the second coming, the second advent of Jesus Christ. Set your hope fully on the grace that is coming because Jesus is coming back. Because hope is a person and his name is Emmanuel. His name is Jesus. Trust in him. Find hope in him. Father in heaven, thank you for your love for us. Father in heaven, we need help. We put our trust in created things. Father, we need your help. We put our hope in the creation around us, in people, in circumstances, and in stuff, instead of looking to you. Father, Heavenly Father, gracious and loving, a God who is at work for our good and your glory, God, thank you that you are at work in our lives. Help us, teach us to put our trust and hope only in Jesus. May we not uh, put our trust in ourselves, our hope in our own efforts or our accomplishments, but God, have us all throw ourselves at your feet, at your mercy, confessing our sin, recognizing our inability, recognizing that if you sent your son to save, it means we need saving. And so we confess our sin. We confess our inability. We need your help. Would we not derive our identity or our worth from anything around us, created, achievements, things, and stuff, but may our hope be in Christ alone? Father in heaven, would you help us live by faith in Jesus today and always? Would you help us live by faith continuing forward? And and, and every time we gather together, as a church family, and every time we see even just one or two others of us, would we be people that point to Jesus? Would we be people that remind each other of your faithfulness? Would your faithfulness in the past show us your character now and your faithfulness moving forward? Would, your, would we be struck, would we be awestruck by your goodness in the past your goodness to us now, knowing that you are always good and that you will always be with us. Thank you for the first advent of Jesus and the arrival of hope and salvation and transformation through him. And we look forward to the second advent of Jesus. May our hope be in him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.